Kit Maud is a translator. Yeah, I translate. I, I, I write reviews too occasionally. Based in Buenos Aires, Argentina, where we are today to talk about some of the uh, best literary destinations to visit when you're in Buenos Aires. Welcome to the Bibliophile. Well, thank you very much for having me. Welcome to Buenos Aires. And we're sitting in a beautiful, what a modern but rustic building that's uh, filled with books and pleasant spa-type music. And maybe we could start off with this place here. Falena, yeah, it's um, bookshop come wine bar come cafe um, that opened a couple of years ago. It's, it's actually it's it's a former artist studio that was made from, you can see, a tra- it was originally a traditional Argentine house that would at one point have held several different families and actually quite cramped quarters. And people soon saw the potential for, you know, in modern times, saw the potential for opening the mouse and making them into something else. So there's a lot, of, you'll see a lot of bars and cafes in Buenos Aires and done this and restaurants too. This is one, but the interesting part of this is it was originally a, an artist's studio, so you have these big glass windows and um, and it's lent itself beautifully to, for transformation into a bookshop. I, I love it. If you, if you find yourselves in Buenos Aires, come now. Yeah. Um, or especially on Thursday yeah. nights, they often do a vintage jazz night uh, downstairs, which is a lot of fun. They, nice. they serve Japanese whiskey and wine. Why Japanese? They, they have a sponsor that... Uh, I have no idea. Yeah. I've never asked. Whiskey, Japanese I, I, whiskey I, I, is great. Yeah, it is. I, I think it might just be a, a taste, of, the owner's taste for Japanese whiskey. Is That's there a big Japanese influence in Buenos Aires or not? There's, there's some Japanese... Uh, there's a Japanese garden. Um, mm. so, uh, it's, quite a, it's quite a major landmark in Palermo. There's a vibrant Japanese community. Um, I think... I'm not entirely sure. I think that Japanese immigration is bigger in Brazil. There's, there's a... There's a very large Japanese population in Brazil, but there's also a fairly sizable one in Argentina. A lot of them set up uh, nurseries, plant nurseries and things in uh, various parts of Argentina. Mm. Um, so these books here are all in uh, Spanish? They're in Spanish. They're making a big effort to get in books in English and French and German. Okay. Uh, Marcelo, the owner, is... Uh, is multilingual and has spent a lot of her life living in different parts of Europe. So they have a fairly good selection, uh, if you're looking for something in English, of, of Argentine writers translated and uh, works from other writers translated into the various different languages. So you can come here, browse a bit, have a glass of wine as we are. They have readings here? They do, uh, readings and launches. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a lovely place to come. It's very... Yeah. It's very bookish, and, and it's an extraordinary place to take photos. It's very Instagrammable. What neighbourhood are we in right now? Or... We're in Chacarita, bordering on Palermo. Barrio, I guess. Is, yeah. Yeah. So it's what? Uh, Chacarita. Like, the, there's a large cemetery a, a few blocks away. I don't know if you've had a chance to oh, take a I've look heard at it. of that. Yeah. Is that it's very much worth a look. You, could, it, doing a, you go there, and then you come here afterwards. Um, it's because it's not... The Recoleta Cemetery is the famous one, yes. and it's, I, it's it's a lot of big fancy tombs. But yeah, Chacarita, Eva Peron is in that. Eva Peron, well, yeah, but yeah, I mean, the cemetery here is the interesting because they have fancy tombs. They, Carlos Gardel is actually I don't think he himself was buried there because he died in a plane crash, but um, he has a big tomb 
and the big statue and various other uh, tango artists and, and other artists are very there. But for me, the, the interest is in the, they have these huge sort of tower blocks for niches where coffins are slotted into the wall, both yes. above ground and underground. And it, it's very odd, it's, it's, like, it's like a brutalist um, necropolis. If, if, it looks odd. When I, when I take people there, you, they, they've never seen something quite like it in, uh, elsewhere. It, so it ranges from the, from the very posh to just holes in the ground. And, uh, you, get a, you get a much nicer view of, of, uh, of the whole economic uh, right. strata of Buenos Aires from right. one, one to the other. Um, Any authors in there? I think I'm fairly sure that some uh, tango lyricists are there, okay. uh, Mero Mansi and various others. As writers, they're probably equivalent to to some of the great blues men. If you're if if you're interested in, uh, as lyricists, I'm, I'm not sure about the writers though. There aren't that many tombs to writers that you would see, say, in Montmartre in Paris, right, um, right. where people come and do pilgrimages. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the obvious one would have been Borges, but he, he decided he wanted to die in Geneva, so um, he's there. So, so then you have Chacarita, and then when you go into Palermo, which as you've seen now is full of, full of bars, and it's, yeah. it's, got, it's, it's got so trendy, it's actually it's less trendy than it used to be. It's, it's got it's overly gentrified. but. If you walk uh, around there, you can still see some vestiges of the old. It used to be the suburbs of the city. This is where Borges and various others they used to, where the working class families used to live. Often, as I said, sort of packed into various things. And he would, Borges especially, would talk about uh, listening over the garden walls and knife fights and singing and songs and that kind of thing. And, and it's very, very different. We're in pretty much the centre of the city now, but just occasionally you walk at night, you get a hint of jasmine in the air. You, you get just a little bit of a hint of, of, of what it might have been like. He used to. He was a great walker, wasn't he? Yes, he enjoyed walking. And I know he walked that barrio quite uh, extensively over. Yes, very much. So. Yes. There's another bookstore, a great bookstore, world-renowned bookstore, the L. It's a spectacular place. Yeah. Terrible selection of books. Right. I, I'm always surprised. It's, it's a tourist destination. You walk in and you have a big garish display of books in English about Argentina. And a table full of cash and uh, yes, exactly. art books. Uh, but no, I, it, you have to go because you've never seen anything like it. It's... it's, it's a proper grand old theatre turned entirely into a bookstore. Yeah. But don't go there to buy books. <laughs> go, you go have a coffee. Have yeah, you can book. have a coffee right on the stage. The best place, the place with the best selection, with all due respect to Falena, right? they're not the same. That I found is, of new books, is Eterna Cadencia. I don't know if you've been there in Palermo. No, what's it called again? Eterna Cadencia. Uh, Etern the Eternal Cadence, uh, which is taken from a poem. That I can't remember now, but, which is also the name of a publisher. They publish uh, very good books, uh, have a good eye for books translated in, into Spanish. Uh, they published Lydia Davis when, just just before she became terribly famous. Yeah, and, another uh, great translator. And various of that, yes. Uh, and, Proust. Um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but no, the, the bookshop itself is. Again, this is a theme, another one of these converted old houses, but they've done it beautifully. There's lots of wood, but the bookshelves are packed, and they, they seem to take real pride in, in stocking things that other places don't have. What um, about their English selection? 
it's small, but yeah. it's there. Okay. What about the English? Uh, there's an English bookstore. Woolworths Books yeah, in what, San Telmo. What, yeah, it's, it's been a long time since I've been there, actually. Um, but they, they, do, they do mostly used books, is my understanding. Okay. Or at least they used to. Yeah. And, and that very much depends on what people have brought in or what, what the travellers want to sell on their, on their way out and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but it, it's very much worth a visit if you're looking for something. I know that they're planning on starting doing workshops and classes um, in English uh, quite soon. You'd have to look on their, their website or Facebook page. Okay. Most bookshops will have something in English. What about the National Library? Is that worth a visit? Oh, goodness, yes. At least it's just to see it from outside. Have you, have you seen it from outside? Not yet, no. Oh, God, go, go. Uh, it's um, this extraordinarily... It's in Recoleta. Mm-hmm. It's vaguely near the cemetery, between Recoleta and the city. Beautiful, brutalist building. It looks... It's a, it's a big concrete box on a stand. It looks very much like uh, Wally, the the robot from the cartoon. Yes, okay. Either that or Johnny Five from the, from a previous generation of, of robots. <laughs> but um, uh, but I love it, you, and and it's very much worth going in and having a look because it has a very it feels like a grand old library of Europe. Uh, the the, 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 the sixties brutalism, notwithstanding. Yes. Borges hated it. He absolutely hated it. But he was also director there for for decades. So. They have exhibitions there, and they had a big one for the centenary of the publication of 100 Years of Solitude, because it was published here, first in, 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 in Argentina. One of the towering figures of the Argentine book scene was a fellow called Paco Barua, who was an editor, who published an extraordinary number of books that you really had to have, a, you really had to have, a, have an eye to see. Um, and he was—he took on a hundred years of solitude, and no one else wanted it. Published this in a run of two thousand copies, and well, you know, we know the rest of the story. But mm-hmm. um, but so they did—they did a big tribute to to that hymn in the book um, the last time I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what's on now. But they always have something on them on an Argentine writer. Uh, I don't know how much is in English though. They're not that good about getting stuff translated into. Uh, but it's yeah, it's just worth going to have a look for the architecture and for the for, for the architecture exhibits. as and the exhibits and, and the reading room is, is a, it's a lovely reading room. They have proper archives and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Alberto Manguel was the uh, until very recently. Yeah, yeah until last August, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I think he officially resigned through ill health, but um, I think he found the politics a little hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. It, it can get quite fraught in the political life here. And it's a political position though, being head of the uh, National Library. In other words, what? It's like a plum that's uh, offered to yes, people? It's, it's a, yeah, it's, uh, it's um, because, again, I, mean, I keep mentioning Gorgas, he was there. It's, it's a symbolic position. And you know, there's a lot of people who work there. Um, and depending on the government, so you can hire a lot of people to work there or fewer people to work there, depending on what budget you're given. And it's 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 almost a bellwether for, for how things how things are going in the country, who's who's in the ascendancy and who isn't. But yes, it's it's very much a political appointment. Almost every writer who who is worth a damn sooner or later has a house museum library dedicated to them. Uh, Ernesto Salato just recently had, I think he had one for a while, but it's recently been 
recently been uh, renovated. The, this is where he what? It was his childhood home, or I think it was his childhood home, or a home where certainly he lived. It's somewhere in the suburbs. I can tell you the address. So. What about Borges? Is there a house? Uh, he has a cultural center named after him. What's the, yeah, what's the story on that? No, it's just it's just a big cultural. It's a big exhibition venue where they, called the Borges. His inheritance is somewhat fraught because his wife. Upon his death, uh, on on his death, is still around and very active, and very very zealous about protecting what she considers to be his legacy. I, so there won't be a proper house or library dedicated to him until for a while, let's say. Well, wouldn't she, why wouldn't she want that? Maria Kadama. Oh, she well, she's terribly litigious. But is she, is she in, there's, a, there's a famous agent called Andrew Wiley. I don't know if you've heard of him. I Andrew do, yeah. yeah. The jackal. Uh, between them, they, they're they very zealous about protecting the legacy of Borges. And, and but why wouldn't she want to develop some sort of... Uh, well, I think they do place. in their own way. But um, I don't think. But they they restrict access to archives very to to the to what would be a Borges archive, which would be the basis for any library. Yeah, it's a bit like Joyce, James Joyce's relatives. Yeah, exactly. There's there's it's odd things going on, but um, various academics here are, are very frustrated. There's um, Beatrice Sarlo, uh, a wonderful writer and academic, and thinker um, has sort of been known to complain that we'll never be able to study Borges properly until Maria Kadama is out of the picture. There's a long time to wait until, right. and it keeps getting extended too. Copyright. Yes, yeah. Um, when did uh, Borges die? He, 1986. Yeah, so yeah, we've got a ways to go. Yeah. But um, in the meantime, as I was saying before, there's this there's these wonderful diaries by his great friend Adolfo Casares. Uh, in which he documented their entire friendship together. He took a diary, of, kept a nightly diary, which he wrote in, at length. Yeah, um, and he saw Borges almost every day for fifty years, and he wrote down everything they said to, to, to the best of his memory. You have to, you have to allow for, allow for his own bias, etc., etc. And the result is a thousand-page book of entries just on Borges. And I think that's the closest we're going to get for the moment to an intimate view of Borges. And he comes off as, as not necessarily a nice person. But he had terribly Human. conservative views. He, he was, his, his casual racism was, uh, was, was legendary. I don't think thought through, um, but it's, it's there. There's no getting away from it. He was, he was a man who was born when Queen Victoria was still in reign. He, he was a man of his time. 1899. And, and he saw himself, very much, you can see it in his writing, he saw himself very much in Victorian terms, an H.G. Wells or a, uh, or a Rudyard Kipling, so he used some far more controversial person. Uh, uh, so, no, I don't. Apologies to listeners, that is somebody offering to buy up any used goods you might have. Uh-huh. Just yeah. driving around. Driving the around. Yeah. I, I, um, it took me a long time to work. I thought there meant there was some kind of uh, civic emergency. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, no, he just wants to buy your used stuff, oh. and then resell it. He's a thrift store guy, essentially. Sorry, uh, he interrupted you. No, oh, I, I, I sort of come to the end of, of my little rant about Borges. And, okay. But that, oh no, his, well his library is the National Library. That, I mean that was where he. Where he, that's where he worked. He worked yeah. there, and then 
there is, I can't, I'm not sure whether it's open or not, but the home of Adolfo Villegasaris and Silvino Ocampo, both of whom are wonderful writers, I, I very, very highly recommend picking up. They both have several works in translation. But as writers, their brilliance will come through. La Avencia de Morel, the Boyegas Aries, is fantastic. Hmm. Um, What's the English translation of that title? It should be Morel's Invention, but it's called The Invention of Morel. Or Sabina Acampo, I think that they, it's just an anthology of her stories. Okay. And they are gorgeous and unsettling. And I, I specialize in her at university, so I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm biased, but sure. She's, but if you haven't read her, she's she's going to be for at least the following six months after you have read her, the best writer you haven't read yet. For, she has this wonderfully mischievous, playful sense of, um, of sex and ghostliness and, and childhood. Um, hmm. And she like yeah. What's she, your first name again? Silvina. Silvina Ocampo. And is she related she is, to Victoria? She is Victoria's Daughter? sister. Yes. Sister. Okay. Um, oh, that's, that's a nice destination. The, the Ocampo Villa is worth a visit. It's a nice, It's a big mansion at, in in the proper suburbs of Buenos Aires. Um, mm. But they usually have interesting uh, exhibitions on, and you can also buy the entire back catalogue of the magazine that Victoria Ocampo edited. Sur. Sur. Uh, which is. I mean, it's in Spanish, but. I, one of my fantasies one day is to have an entire entire <laughs> collection of them because they publish some extraordinary stuff. They publish the first story by Julio Cortázar. They publish all the Borges. Jose Bianco, well, Jose Bianco was, a, uh, was an editor there. And, uh, and they made a big effort to, be, to, to publish uh, the great writers of the time from, from all across the world. Mm, okay. I mean, Victoria had a lot of money. The, the family had a lot of money, so she was able to... Firstly, fund a literary magazine, which, which in itself, <laughs> for over yeah. over seri- over a, a couple of decades, uh, which in itself is. What are the dates? Do you recall? Oh, I couldn't. Thirties, forties, fifties. Yes, those. Um, okay. I can't remember. I think forties, fifties, sixties, and I can't remember where it end- when it ended. I think maybe the sixties. Okay. Um, but I could be entirely wrong, and I apologise if I am. Uh, Goodness, one gets so used to being able to Google everything. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what our listeners can do uh, if they're interested. So, how did how did the family make its money? Oh, know? they had land, they had, uh, vast tracts of land. How do aristocrats make their money? They're, they, they're born into money from. Well, it just I guess money begets money too. Yeah. Well, like a lot of like, import Very much, export. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's one of the big structural problems of Argentina since forever is that they had, they had a lot of very poor immigration mm-hmm. and uh, very rich and wealthy families bought up vast tracts of land very early on um, and uh, it's, it's hard to prize the grasp of rich people off their land if, uh, yeah. if they've, once they've got it and once they've enshrined this in their constitution which they did but yeah no then then they invest in other things and diversify as yeah as happens all over the world I know in the 1890s that uh, Argentina was uh, booming and uh, yes, so until the until the uh, Wall Street crash in 29, yeah. it was a first it was a first world country. It could have been. Yeah. It was looking like it was going to be one of the world powers. Well, it was richer than Spain. Yes, rivaling the United States. Yeah, it could easily been 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 as big as the the U.S. And then the British Empire excluded Argentina from the Commonwealth, uh, which was the real tragedy. Uh, because Argentina 
traded with the Commonwealth, made its wealth off trading with the Commonwealth. And then after the crash, the British decided they would only buy, say, beef from Australia and New Zealand. There's a, actually, it's not a well-written novel, sadly, but it's a wonderful piece of history uh, by Andrew Graham Yule. What's the last name again? Graham Yule. Yule. He was, he was an Anglo-Argentine. Um, he edited the Buenos Aires Herald for a long time. He still writes articles um, for the Buenos Aires Herald. Um, he was he did a lot of good things during the dictatorship. He he was he was a very vocal resistor. So he wrote about what though? the the period the eighteen nineties or no no he wrote, he wrote a novel resistance. about it begins with this is why again it begins with the the visit of the Prince of Wales to Buenos Aires in I think nineteen oh five and he was treated as a celebrity the Prince of Wales he, he everywhere he went people flocked the streets. And, it was a very close bond, which got abruptly severed. Severed is the easiest way to put it. So uh, this bo- uh, book is it what sort of a panoramic historical novel? Is it or it's a panoramic exactly? It, it okay. goes over traces the history of Argentina through a family uh, in the in the 20th century. And if only it were better written, I would be <laughs> able to give it a a more sort of an, an enthusiastic. The, he started writing for the Buenos Aires Herald in 1966, which was a terribly good time to use it. Oh, yeah. Is it Goodbye Buenos Aires? Is that the one? Let's see. Goodbye Buenos Aires. Uh, it's, it tells you a lot. It, tells you, it helps you understand a lot about Argentina, why Argentina is why it is. Um, Speaking of books, then, what else? I'm reading the Williamson biography of Borges, and I'm loving it. It, it is giving interesting historical context as well. What, what would you recommend uh, a literary tourist to bring along with them uh, if they're going to visit Buenos Aires, other, um, than, other than this book you've mentioned? William Hudson, Long Ago and Far Away and the Purple Land. That's more about the, the Pampas than it is mm-hmm. Buenos Aires. It is, it's about the Pampas, it's not about Buenos Aires. Okay. But it gives you a lovely idea of what the Pampas was once and still the, the landscape. Um, you can't go really look over Chatwin, Bruce Chatwin, yeah, I was and then say, Patagonia. Yeah. Um, although, yeah, it's, it was written quite a long time ago now. But a lot of Argentine writers are translated into English now. You can pick up a lot of their books. Mm. Um, again, you can't really look past Borges fictions is just yeah. very good. Or Labyrinth. Or Labr- oh, sorry, sorry Labyrinth. Uh, mm. I don't think they're bringing that out anymore. I think they've, they've, they've uh, redone his... They've, they've re- this is one of the things that Wiley and Kadama are doing, bringing out all his stuff again in English and with new translations. Adolfo Bioy Casares, I can't remember whether The Dream of the Heroes is translated or not. It would have been by New York Review of Books. Then... Olivia Gerondo. Uh, That's the oh, thing you need to know if it's it's in, in translation. Or I'm not. trying yeah. to think. They generally tend to be Ricardo Piglia, Artificial Respiration. It was published by Yale Press in what I think is a terrible translation, but it's still worth reading. That gives you a very lovely idea of, of an Argentine imagination. It's, it's sort of a foundational text for a new generation of writers. 
Yeah, they're much more accepting of uh, fantasy blowing in exactly. into their novels. Like, a lot of fantasy, a lot of a lot of sort of intellectual whimsy. Yeah, yeah, philosophy and yeah, uh, it gets into a lot of it. Um, uh, we should talk about some some contemporary writers. Uh, Samantha Schwebling is, is very very good. She's being shortlisted for awards in English now. I'm not sure she's winning, but maybe she will. She's what? She's Argentinian? She's an Argentinian. She, she lives in Berlin now, but... Mm-hmm. Um, oh, mm-hmm. Maria Sonia Christoph, writing about Patagonia. Transit books just came out with... Yes, I saw that. And she's in the States right now. Yeah, she is. And she's... Uh, uh, she writes very well about Patagonia. And also, didn't she write about the disappearances? Is she? I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't she be surprised. Have, yeah. um, she's, a lo- she's a lovely non-fiction writer. Okay. Just getting back yeah, to yeah. Uh, places to visit, what about writers, bars, or yeah, restaurants? That's the other thing. It's, 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 again, you, have, you have various writers' houses that you can go visit. Um, there are still some of the old bars and cafes where they used to go and hang out and argue with other writers and intellectuals. Still, mm. then. There's the Britannia. And the hippopotamus, it's not called the hippopotamus, it's called the hippopotamus. But um, they're in San Telmo, desperately touristy now. It's not, yeah. You're not going to get away from that. But they look very much as they used to do. And you still get, you still get, you sit in the, still in a the booth vibe. or at a table and you, you, get a, you get a vibe of 1920s Buenos Aires, 1930s, 1940s. There was, there's the cafe where uh, Vitor Gombrowicz wrote, um, or they, he didn't write, he translated from the um, Ferdy Dirk from the Polish into Spanish with the help from his friends. Uh, apparently it was a terribly chaotic process where they sort of people, he would read things out and they would, people would shout suggestions to various phrases and things. But I think it's closed down. Okay. <laughs> it was on Cassie, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem is with Cassie, Florida, which is where, which is the center of Buenos Aires, the old center, and, and it's still vaguely a center. Uh, but it, it's awful. It's 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 a, it's a very it's just a shopping big outdoor shopping mall now. Okay. Um, you can go to the cafe where Cortázar wrote Los Premios, which I'll look it up again. The name escapes me. I, po- I apologise for this. It's <laughs> alright. Tassar, there's Los Galgos, which is the uh, setting for a book that I haven't read by Sarah Gajada but it's supposed to be her masterpiece um, Sarah Gajada was a very weird but quite wonderful writer uh, he wrote in the 60s and 70s and 80s hmm. Las Violetas is another, these are all they're just lovely cafes where writers happen to hang out uh, London City, that's what it's called Sorry, uh, the place where Cortázar supposedly sat and wrote lots of premios, which is actually not very far from being one of his good books. It's called London City, which is in the centre. And again, it, it preserves some something of what it might have been. Where do you uh, hang out? What cafes do, other than this one, where do you like yeah. to hang out and just sort of take in the, the, the city and uh, the people and sit back and write? I tend not to go to the centre so much. I ought to more. Um, I, here is is a lovely place to sit out and hang out. I mean, I, I don't. I would be loath to be the kind of person who sits in Starbucks and writes their screenplay. Uh, but um, 
I, I, when I was younger, I, I certainly did that kind of thing. Sure. <laughs> right. um, uh, no, uh, is is a wonderful place to come and do that. Um, the uh, the bookshop stroke cafe Eterna Cadencia also has a cafe restaurant. It is very much you, you're there and you, you get a very uh, literary vibe. And then you, you really really do see because it's a publishing of publishers office too. You really do see authors hanging out there. I mean, this is the thing. Every author you meet, uh, aspiring, well known, and very well known. They will all tell you what their favourite cafe is, but there are there are dozens of these cafes, and they they'll all say, I, I I when I have to meet up with a writer for whatever reason, they'll very very often say, why don't we meet up at this place? And it's an old cafe, and then they'll say, yeah, you know, you used to come here, and then they'll give another name, that kind of thing. But this is the this is the thing about it's that. Just ordinary cafes too. Yeah. It's a bit, Buenos Aires is a, is a city of lovely cafes. Yes. Yeah. As a city, it's not it's not that good on landmarks, but it is a, it's lovely just to walk around and, and you soak in what's going on when it's not too hot. Uh, what about uh, we talked about Borges walking where he walked? Any any thought? I mean, Palermo. Oh, the streets Mola. themselves. Uh, yeah, but the Bosques of Palermo. There, he actually he walked around the centre a lot. The street, the grids are what they were, but the buildings themselves are very different. Any th- any areas that have been preserved that might. Santelmo. Have you been to Santelmo? Oh yeah, go. They, they, you got some nice old buildings there. Palermo still has some nice old buildings. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you get these Recoleta. And the centre, the, the, the wealthy parts, the, these were places that were built in imitation of Belle Epoque, Paris in the mm-hmm. 20s and thir- in the, 20, well, uh, the first decades of the 20th century. Yeah. So they're the same as they were, but you can see that. Some of the, some of the facades are tragically run down now. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it used to be Paris in the south, right? The Paris exactly. The south. They did a lot of, they very self-consciously did that. Yeah. A lovely, it's... Um, not actually in Buenos Aires. There are two places in Tigre. Have, has anyone talked to you about Tigre? No. Oh, it's an extraordinary. Uh, it's very, it's it's very, very much worth a visit. Just um, what it's a, it's a it's town, it's or? a delta uh, where people used. To, I think they still do go. Uh, it's full of. Um, it's where the Paraná and a couple of other rivers meet the sea. I mean, uh, what you what looks like the sea here is actually still a river. Technically, it's, it's brackish rather than seawater. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a, it's a river delta where a lot, of hundreds of different islands have formed, and people used to build little houses on them and go and spend their holidays there or, or weekends. And they still have there's a lot of weekend houses, there's hotels and things. Um, you can go, but you can go in terms of preserved. You can go to Sarmiento's house. Sarmiento was a politician and a writer uh, from the 19th century who he was he's what you would call a founding father. Uh, his legacy as as that of founding fathers all over the world is, is it turned out he, he was he was more racist than one noticed about fifty years ago. And, sure. And and, and and more misogynist, etc. etc. Yeah. But um, but his house is there preserved inside a big cross glass cube and that that's very worth a visit. Also, um, That's again where it's in Tigray? Yeah, okay. Uh, the Tigray Delta. Um, okay. And it's, a, it's an absolute must visit just generally to see because Everybody, instead of streets, you have water. It's like, I'm going Canals? to say it's like, 
it's like Amsterdam or Venice, but all natural. It's very different from those places, but just to get an idea, you have you take a river bus. They have floating shops that go from island to island, um, uh, and you can certainly see. And the other house museum stroke library would be Harold Conti, who was who wrote Suda Stada, which has been translated. Again, I can't vouch for the translation because I haven't read it. It's about life in the Delta. It's a wonderful, wonderful read, um, at least in Spanish. And his house is, is again, it's worth a look because they, they have interesting exhibitions. They have stuff about Herodo Conti, who was uh, killed during the dictatorship. And, yeah, and he's a good writer. And the other one is, I don't know, there's El Tropezón, which I, when I visited back in 2003, so I don't know where it is, but it's one of the old hotels where the, in, in, in the great sort of the, the grand times, people used to go. Mm-hmm. And it's where um, uh, Leopoldo, Leopoldo Lugones, oh, almost escapes me, um, who is who's a grand writer, uh, killed himself. And they preserved his hotel room exactly as it is. It was very spooky. Right. Um, I mean, when I went, they preserved his hotel room exactly as it was on the day, with, with the rather creepy uh, touch of keeping a glass of water always full, because he, he killed himself with cyanide pills. But the thing is, if you stay there, you realise that all the other rooms look exactly the same too. I don't know if that's still true. Uh, I'd have to do more research to actively recommend it, but uh, it was fun when I went about 15 years ago, 16 years ago. There's also a a part of a, is it Corrientes? uh, Casi Corrientes? There's a street uh, with shops. That's right. For the bookshops, they're new and old and used and... One or two antiquarians. Um, there's also a very good antiquarian in San Telmo too. I want to say on the corner of Defensa and something. Oh, it's actually no. It's more in the centre. It's more in the. But uh, yeah, no. The antiquarian bookshops are very much worth. You don't get. You, you're not going to find bargains. Uh, but around the centre, they still hang out. And if you see one, I went the other day when I was shopping for Christmas. I got caught in these in in downpours that you occasionally get in, in the summertime. Mm. And I spent um, a wonderful hour in an old bookshop that was closing down. So they did actually have one or two interesting deals. But yeah, you find a lot of very interesting finds. Um, and often in lots of different languages too, because you, from the immigration that came in. Mm, right. um, so you will find you, English. You have, you have a, it's a wonderful place for that kind of thing. You'll find some stuff in English, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in German. A lot of stuff in French, a lot of stuff in Italian. I think they have this wonderful combination of, um, of, of a lot of immigration and families that very often go to get down on their luck and then have to sell everything. Right. Um, but the booksellers are rather overly canny. It's very annoying. Oh, there's also there's a very good market in Plaza Italia. Uh, yes, you, yes, I've been there. Uh, yeah. 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 They have, They've been there for 40 years. Yeah. Well, they identify the real valuable stuff, the really interesting stuff, very, very quickly. Sometimes you luck out. Yeah. Uh, Finally, what about, uh, are there any kind of, I mentioned walking, but are there any walking tours that you're familiar with? There are several walking tours. Um, Sorry, I should have done a little bit more research. Um, And at least two are literary themed, and at least two are in English, but I can't give you the names. A, A search of Literary tools of Buenos Aires in English, they'll, they'll pop right up. Um, and Are you familiar? And like, I, I, I've had them recommended to me. That I haven't been, I flatter myself that I don't necessarily need them. Right. But, um, but no, they're good. Then they give you a very good idea of, uh, 
uh, in fact, a far more informed idea of, of the various things. But it, again, it's they're just going to they're not going to take you in many places. They're just going to point to that flat where that person lived or this corner. But Buenos Aires is a very lovely place to walk around and look at that flat and that corner and that cafe. That's kind of, that, that's what it has to offer. So. Great. Any uh, parting remarks? No, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, for um, me too. I hope I, 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 I didn't ramble too much. I no, no. There was some useful information. Yeah, <laughs> I no, did all that. Uh, that's great. Well, I've been speaking with Kit Maud, who is a translator based in Buenos Aires. And who do you work with? Translation-wise, oh, um, can I can I plug the book yeah, that I translated? A wonderful, absolutely wonderful Uruguayan author called Armonia Summers, um, who has a very memorable uh, the the novel. It's published by the Feminist Press in, in New York. It's with a memorable title of The Naked Woman, and it, it's this wonderful feminist parable of um, essentially it's it's a a middle class woman buys a house in the countryside, goes there takes off all her clothes and heads out into the countryside, driving the local villagers mad, as, it is, as, as best as I can summarise it. But, I mean, I, I would recommend it. <laughs> I, I, I'm fairly sure the translation is at least okay, because I did it. Excellent. Um, it. Thanks, uh, thanks very much for your time. No, thank you.